Hey guys, welcome back into the College Age Movement podcast. We are in the final week of our series entitled The Minor Prophets. Last week we had Rachel Gilligan speak on the prophet Habakkuk, and if you have not listened to that podcast yet, I would really encourage you to, to stop here, to go back to last week and, and catch that. She just did an incredible job walking through uh, some key points from the book of Habakkuk. So this week we are going to be talking about the prophet Micah. And the book of Micah was written about 700 years before Jesus's life and ministry. So we're looking at something that was written almost 3000 years ago, written to the people of Israel and Judah, like most of the minor prophets. But this was especially to those that had started to support uh, broken religious systems and broken political systems. And what we find in the book of Micah is that the people are participating in things that that are obviously not pleasing to God. The the minor prophets are full of these calls of repentance that they are asking God or asking the people to return to God, to repent of their sins and in turn will be restored back to the original plan that God had for them as individuals and the plans that God had for them as a chosen people of God, the country and the nation of Israel. But what we find is that as as the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah are doing things that are not pleasing to God, they, they recognize it and then they start to repent and they overcomplicate their relationship with God and they overcomplicate their repentance and they overcomplicate what it means to follow to follow God. And I think that sounds really familiar. That that's us, right? That that we we know that we're not doing things that, that are in line with what God was calling us to do. And so we repent, but then we overcomplicate our relationship with Jesus. And and before we jump into to a single verse that we're going to look at from Micah chapter 6, I want to ask a question. And that question is this. What does it look like to be in proper relationship with God? What does it look like to be in proper relationship with God? I think we would all have some similar answers, and then some of us would have some not-so-similar answers. But what we're going to see in Micah chapter 6 is a framework that the prophet lays out about what God wants and touches on, touches on things that that are actually talked about in, throughout all of the minor prophets, that there's these these little nuggets of, of coming back to God, and this is what God is looking for, and, and it's not complicated. It's just this obedience factor is so, so important. And then Micah in chapter six lays out a single verse that has three key components of what it means to be in proper relationship with God. And if the people of Israel and Judah, and if you and I would step into these things, we will be in a healthy relationship with Jesus. So Micah chapter six, verse eight says this, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So the first point this week is act justly. Act justly. I think we can all look at the statement and really question what it means to act justly. Justly is defined as morally right or fair. Morality is incredibly hard to pin down, isn't it? Like everybody listening to this podcast probably has a different concept of what is morally right and fair. We all have so many different opinions on what that looks like. But I think that one of the biggest calls on our lives is to be people who put down our own biases and we focus on what Jesus calls us to. 
that it's not about our personal opinions, but it's about looking at life and looking at people through the lens that Jesus looks at people and looks at situations. So how, how can we do that? And I think there's a couple different ways that we can do that. I think one of the ways is that to act justly, we act impartially. We act impartially. This means that I need to, that we need to look at every single person on earth the same. And I think that we'd all know that that is really difficult to do. It's hard to look at every single person the same. Our friends, we look at different than our family. And our family, we look at different than strangers and our coworkers and, and our classmates or whatever it may be, that it's, it's hard to have the same lens for everyone. But what we need to understand as followers of Jesus is that God stamped his image on every single human being. Not just the ones that make us comfortable and not just the ones that we agree with. He stamped his image on every human being and he defined them. This is something that I've struggled with for a really, really long time. And I think of poignant parts of my life and, and being able to, to uh, deal with certain people in, in good ways and in turn deal with people who are in a different circumstance or even a similar circumstance in a different place and have a hard time seeing them as a child of God. And this really came about face when, when I was 18 and I got to go to Brazil uh, for the very first time. And we, we spent time in a place called Garbage Mouth. It's one of the worst, uh, most desolate places in Sao Paulo, Brazil. It was absolutely crazy. I mean, we were seri- We were literally seeing dead people in the gutter. And I saw people begging on the street and I just, my heart went out to them. And I, I saw poverty and I, I saw uh, brokenness and, and I just was so... Uh, prayerful that the people would find restoration and that people would find the finances needed to, to eat, just be able to eat. And, and I had so much compassion for the people begging on the side of the street who were just trying to survive in the streets of Brazil. And I remember coming back and having what I would call mission fatigue and seeing somebody begging on the side of the street here in Billings, Montana. And I got angry and I, and I thought they were lazy. And I was like, that's not poverty. I've seen real poverty. I've seen real poverty, and the Lord convicted me in that moment, and uh, I'm far from perfect. I still still feel these these tinges of, of anger towards people, and I'm like, oh, you're able-bodied, but I remember specifically having a conversation with a homeless man named Jake because the Lord was just like, hey, you needed to go. Don't get angry at him. Go talk to him, and I had a conversation with, with Jake and... Uh, he told me about his tours in Iraq and his tours in Afghanistan. He told me about losing his wife and his son in a car wreck. And I remember just seeing him the way that Jesus saw him. Instead of this, this lazy person on the side of the road, I just saw a broken child of God who was in desperate need of love and care and grace. And that was where, where I started to change my perspective and, and I got challenged by Jesus. And, and like I already said, I'm still being challenged every single day to, to have more conversations and to stop putting definitions on people. But Romans chapter 2, verses 10 through 11 says this, But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And this is, this is the key phrase. For God does not show favoritism. For God does not show favoritism. If I want to be someone who acts justly, I have to approach every single person with the same perspective. And that is that they are a valuable child of God, that they are a valuable son, a valuable daughter of God. And culture has this tendency to divide us with definitions. But the only definition that matters comes from the Father. 
And if we can understand that people are defined as beloved, defined as children of God, then we can look at them and we can see Jesus in them and we can say, hey, I need to serve you. I need to reach out to you. I need to love you. I need to show you grace and show you compassion, not because of what my own opinion is about you, but because of what Jesus's opinion is about you. Another way that we find ourselves acting justly is by acting accurately and honestly, accurately and honestly. We cannot be people of exaggeration. We, we tend to uh, exaggerate our own successes and then we tend to exaggerate other people's failures. Like, oh, well, thank God I'm not sinning like that or I'm not participating in that or, hey, you know, I, I've been doing uh, really, really well. I haven't sinned in this way in six months when really it's been six days or maybe it's been six weeks, but we like to throw it out there and say, no, I've been doing good for longer uh, than I would like you to know or that, that that's true. <laughs> and so we need to be people who are, honest in all situations. You see, if I consider myself a follower of Jesus, my words and actions need to always be leveled in truth. Justice will be found in honest communication and action. That's how I act justly, in honest communication and action. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. We are all members of one body. In any and every situation, we have to be willing to be vulnerable. That is how we are going to see change. That means that that we are willing to talk about our shortcomings and be honest about those things and call others out on theirs as well. That is where change will happen is in truth and in honesty and in measured conversation. The, The leveled truth is always at the forefront of how we speak that when people look at us as individuals or as a community of believers, say, hey, I don't always agree with everything that they're saying, but I always know they're being truthful in what they're saying. They're always being honest. And that is what we want to be as followers of Jesus. The third way that we can act justly is to act lawfully, to act lawfully. This is a fun one in the world that we live in right now. Like every person um, in our community, every person in the world right now probably has thought about not wanting to follow some of the rules um, that are being put on us, whether it be uh, mask mandates or whether it be social distancing or, or whether it be anger at how people are protesting social injustices or whatever it may be. Like we're just in this convoluted, really messy, really crazy time where every single one of us looks at authorities and we say, I don't know if I agree with that. We like find ourselves on either side and then we get angry at other people who don't want to follow authorities or people are getting angry at us that, that don't want to listen. And whatever it may be, we're just in this, this really awkward and really challenging season. But I think it's really important that we understand that the early church did not agree with political authorities over them. And yet they were still called to pray for them and not cause dissension. For us to be effective in showing people Jesus, we must do the same, whether we agree with people who are in positions of power or positions of authority or not. For us to act justly, we have to act lawfully, that we cannot be running around breaking laws and then expect people to see justice. Justice is found in honesty, and justice is found in communication, and justice is found when we still pray for and we still pursue uh, unity. The unity would be a, a word that we put out in front of us and say, hey, I'm always going to be 
unified. I'm not going to always agree, but I'm always going to be unified. This is what I think is really important as we as we wrap up this point about acting justly is that acting justly requires action, not mere talk. Speaking about injustices may make us appear like we care, but words do nothing to ease the pain of those suffering. Biblical justice is never divorced from acts of love and mercy. I want to say that again. Biblical justice is never divorced from acts of love and mercy. And that leads us into the second point, and that is to love mercy. To love mercy. What does it mean to love mercy? Mercy is defined as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who is within whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is in with whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. What is really interesting about this second call is that our human minds don't do well with this because it can almost come in in direct opposition to justice. Like justice is often people getting what they deserve while mercy is receiving forgiveness when someone doesn't deserve it. But Ephesians chapter two, verses four through five says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that we have been saved. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive even in the midst of our transgressions. What we have to understand is that if we want to follow Jesus, there has to be a whole lot of mercy in our lives. And living a life full of mercy is not easy. It is very difficult to do. It is almost not in our human nature. It's in God's nature. It's not in ours. And so we have to to try to be more like Jesus and be people who are full of mercy. And, And that looks a couple different ways. One, if with forgiveness, that we'd be people who are willing to forgive people who are willing to step in and forgive people whom we, we have every right to be angry and upset with, but we're going to be people who are full of mercy and full of grace and full of compassion. We are going to be people who forgive. I don't know about you, but I don't identify myself as somebody who's really good at forgiveness. I struggle with it all the time, but I need to be, if I want to be a follower of Jesus and I want to be faithful to whom he it is, whom it is that he has called me to be. I need to be somebody who is full of forgiveness. I need to be somebody who's willing to serve without expecting any in return. That the, as we provide acts of service, that we're not doing it to get something in return or to get accolades or whatever it may be, that we are serving without expectation, that we're serving without expectation from others and that we are serving without expectation from God. This isn't so that we have a bigger crown in heaven. We are just serving because God has called us to serve. God has called us to love. God has sh- called us to show compassion. And then another way that, that we can live a life full of mercy is to be in communication or reaching out with people without expecting anything in return as well. That we would be people who are checking in, who are, who are genuinely caring about other people, not because we want them to check in on us, but because we just genuinely want to know if they're doing all right. And in turn, we will find freedom in that, that we will find like, yeah, I feel like God has called me to be someone who has compassion, who, who has the time to check in on people, not because I'm going to get anything back from that relationship or anything uh, from, from God in this, but just because God has called me to be someone who is always available. You see, true mercy reveals our heart. And if we can be people who truly pursue mercy in our relationships, people will see Jesus. They will see Jesus. And that's the whole goal, right? That people see Jesus in the way that we live and the way that we speak. The third thing is this, is that we are to walk humbly with our God. Walk humbly with our God. I think we can all admit two things. One is that humility is a lot more attractive than arrogance. We are drawn towards the humble. 
we are drawn towards the humble. When I was in high school, I was stepping into to basketball uh, in public school for the first time, and I was super excited. And there were two guys on our varsity team that were state. Uh, they were, they were they made the all state team. They were absolutely incredible, and they had two very different mentalities. One was just a tool; like he was honestly just not a great guy, and he was probably the best player in the state. Then we had another guy who was who was really really good as well, but he just carried himself with a ton of humility. And I remember being so drawn to him that I wanted him to be the guy that I modeled myself after, him to be the guy that that I learned from because I loved the way that he had skill and he had talent, and yet he had a ton of humility to go along with it. But the second thing that we probably can all agree on is that true humility is really hard to have. Our human nature fights against it pretty hard. See, what happened in my high school uh, days is that my freshman year, I started to gain a little bit of recognition from coaches and playing time on teams that that were uh, not the freshman team. I started playing for a sophomore team and even got a little bit of run uh, with our junior varsity team. And I was arrogant (laughs) that even after watching someone and being attracted and drawn towards the humble, my human nature fought against that hard and I became arrogant and it took somebody, that same guy who I was wanting to model myself after to pull me aside on a road trip and say, hey, you, you're acting like a tool. You're being arrogant and you need to be knocked down a couple pegs. You see, he didn't love Jesus, but he was Jesus in that moment for me. That God used him as a mouthpiece to say, hey, this isn't right. This isn't the way that you should be acting. See, that is what we need to be as people who have true humility. And Micah was pointing out generational flaws in Israel and Judah. He knew that they were having a hard time focusing on what uh, God was calling them to be. One of the things that Micah is trying to communicate here is that we have to be people who put God and his call out in front of our own. A theme that we have seen throughout all of the minor prophets is that the people of earth, specifically the people of Israel and Judah, had decided that their way was better than God's way. At so many different points in their history, the people of Israel were told it would be a really good idea to turn back to God. It'd be a really good idea to turn back to God. And at so many times in our own individual lives, we have seen that turning back to God would be a really good idea. That we are in the midst of sin, we are in the midst of brokenness, and we know that it would be a really good idea to turn back to Jesus. Yet, Like Israel, we have a really hard time staying committed to what God wants from us, and in turn, we miss out on what God has for us. In in our inability to, to be the people that God is asking us to be, we miss out on what God has for us. We tend to be a people that take ourselves really seriously, and we spend a ton of time fixated on what we desire and on what we believe. And that's that's not always a bad thing. I truly believe that God created us to be a passionate people. However, we should be people who are willing to have more passion about what God wants than what we want. He is to be taken seriously. We need to stop taking ourselves so seriously and take him seriously. We need to take his will for our lives Seriously, those need to be the things that are out in front that we are focused on all the time. So with all that being said, I have three questions I want to leave you with this week. One, are we truly willing to see others the way that God sees them? Are we truly willing to see others the way God sees them? Two, how can I tangibly show mercy to people in my life? And three, his will or mine? His will or mine? Do I want to be somebody who is constantly having my will and my desires and my passions out in front? Or do I want to put God's out there and figure out how those things work in cohesion? 
Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast again. We will be back uh, in a couple weeks. We have a family dinner and trivia night here next week. So if you are in Billings, please come hang out 7 o'clock Tuesday nights. We'd love to have you here. If not, uh, look out for the next podcast. You'll see it in two weeks. We love you guys, and we hope to see you really soon.